If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Cranberryradio.net presents CEO Coach, a show custom built to give you everything you need to build your business on the web. From funding to finances, Set up the staffing. Our CEO coaches will break down the art of business development from the ground up. Now here to get you started are the experts of online business startup management and development. The founders of Outlines Venture Group, Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy. Welcome to CEO Coach. This is Ann Kennedy and I'm here with Jillian Music, co-founder of Moz and my business partner and very good friend. Together, we are serial entrepreneurs helping online companies launch, grow, pivot, and thrive. You can find out more at OutlinesVenture.com. Morning, Jillian. How are you? Doing well and ready to chat. Let me tell you, this is a good subject today. Yeah, today we're going to be talking about growth. We've actually touched on that in the last few episodes with one or another of our guests, including Laura Weintraub from Aim Clear. Uh, and... Now we want to dive into a little bit more about growth um, and whether you should aim for growing your company or being profitable. Yeah, I was going to say, oh, heck, Ann, we're not going to talk about growth. We're going to talk about money. Well, let's get down. We're going to talk about money. (laughs) Hey, it always comes down to money in the end. It It always does. Growth and profitability. The question is, do you put it, it's chicken and egg. Which do you do first? You know, right. and and because guess what, you cannot have both in the beginning. Yeah, kind of. I mean, well, yes and no. There are some companies that can pull it off, but generally, you have to decide how you're going to spend this, um, you know, investment that you're going to make, whether it's your time, your money, or somebody else's money. And I totally agree with you. You pretty much have to choose uh, almost all of the time. But here's the thing: the money is kind of we should define it, right? There's revenue, there's profit, there's, you know, the, these concepts of being post-revenue or pre-revenue or those, it's, it's all different stuff. We should talk about the differences of uh, kinds of money that we talk about in businesses so you get a sense of where you are on the timeline. Well, so here's um, uh, something I picked up from Mark Schuster and his blog, Both Sides of the Table. You know, we keep quoting him. Maybe he will finally be able to come on our show. Wouldn't that be cool? I'd, I'd be delighted. Mark is uh, brilliant. and He's always been a good mentor, uh, you know, and so on. He, he's really wonderful. So we'll see if we can't get Mark's sister on the uh, show here. To, to talk to us uh, one-on-one. But meanwhile, um, I, I saw an article he wrote about 
this that was sort of a a, a, a primer on startup economics, and it asked well, this very question. And what he was saying was fundamentally that um, if if well, to begin with, Mark certainly has sat in both chairs as an entrepreneur and an investor, and what is interesting in what he's writing about that I picked up is he's talking about how investors size up companies and that's why you should care, right? Absolutely. There are several things you work on in the very earliest stages of a company. The first thing is your product. What the heck are you going to serve to the world? Let's start with things that are not a hard product necessarily, although R&D and manufacturing your uh, prototypes and so on is also out there. But let's say you were launching something online. Right? You have to write the software, you have to deploy it, you have to test it, and you have to figure it out. You know, you're working on your product. And if the product sucks, nothing's going to happen. So I understand. Spend money, spend time, spend focus, you know, effort on that. But the second thing you have to work on is whether or not you have a customer base. And that's that concept of growing a community or growth, if you will, in the company. In other words, people don't necessarily have to buy what you've got but they do have to know your brand, be engaged with your brand, be doing something with your brand, perhaps getting information from you or something. They don't necessarily have to give you a buck. Right? And I think that, you a buck, that, that's money. <laughs> that's like a topic for a whole show. And actually, we're going to do one on that about how that you can engage your customer. It's seems simple, but it's not. But to go back to this question of choosing growth or profitability, why do we have to make a choice in the first place? Well, the first one, you have to build your product, whatever the heck that is. But then you have to figure out, are you going to spend your time, effort, focus, and money on engaging an audience? In other words, building the group of people who will buy your stuff. You can call them community, you can call them a user base, you can call it your uh, target market. There's a thousand names for them, right? But it's the people who are going to buy your stuff. You have to go and approach them and draw them in and make them want to be uh, part of whatever it is you're building. They, you have to create a desire for what you're about to sell. Right? That's number one. The other one is you say, well, we should just start selling something. Even if we only sell it to two people, we will have proof that we've sold it to two people. And then those two people will tell us whether or not it's good enough and maybe share the words or something. I don't know. They'll help us make it better and they might get us a third buyer. There are two ways to look at this, and I think that's really an interesting focus or or an interesting subject, rather. It's about whether or not you build a significant community before you do your product market test. This concept of a product market fit or product market test says, I've got something to sell, and I've got a bunch of people out in the world who might buy it. Is there a good fit? And for whom is there a good fit, right? Who really wants this thing and how much are they willing to pay for and what else do they need in it, right? That's that product market fit process. So you could build, and we're working on this right now, Anne, right? We have uh, one companies in our portfolio, right? We're working on it right now and grappling with exactly that question. Do we build a community of a half a million people and simply share information and free stuff to begin with or do we take the 10, 15,000 that we've kind of collected now over various spaces of, you know, in the web and social places and, you know, the website and that sort of thing and try that product market fit? Take this 10,000, 15,000 and say, what do you want to buy? 
And so, you know where I come out on that, because you've heard me say this, I like both and, you know, I'm a great both and person. If we could just find a way to, you know, I, li- I like to attack on all fronts at once. Now, that's not always feasible. However, sure. I think there's an argument to be made to getting whatever the product, and we hear all the time about MVPs and so forth, out into a community or a target audience or a target customer base, because you will learn from your customers what's going to work, what fits. You know, you, you'll find right. out wh- by how they buy it or their feedback or there's just so many things you can learn from the customers. And the building the customer base, it would certainly be more delightful to have a product to go out into a customer, you know, ten base 10 times bigger. But during that time, are you making the right product for that I larger totally customer agree. base? And and now I'll play devil's advocate on it. So if you are going to take a smaller group of people and test your product and figure out whether or not it fits them, then you will have almost a lifestyle size business, if you will. We will have had a market test, but we're not sure that it will scale. We've got a small group of people who seem to like what you're building, and you've got it really well targeted to that small group of people. The question is, should you have been targeting it to a much larger group? Right now, let's take the other view and we say, okay, let's go build a half a million people worth of a community around a particular brand. Well, that's pretty cool. First of all, you got to spend some time, effort, and money doing it. So you're probably not going to spend a lot of the target market fit time. Right. So if you're going to build 500,000 people worth of a community, then you can say, now we know the attributes of a much larger group of people. Now we know what to sell them. That's quite different. So when a VC looks at these things, they look at it from two sides. Do you, you know, how is your product? Is it ready to sell? All of that stuff. But then they look at the other side and they say, are there enough people who are interested in this concept at all? Did you make a small product for a small market? Or do you have a monstrous group of people here? Trust me, we know how to monetize it. We've got eyeballs. So two different ways to look at it, and they are both extremely valid. Yeah, so that leads us back to the chicken and the egg, and how do you make a choice? And, you know, we have to take a break now, but when we come back, let's dive into some of the factors that might go into such a choice. Sounds good. This is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Are you paying too much for your paid advertising? Or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? I'm David Ogletree, president of WME Training. Did you know that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average? At WME Training, we can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean, converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Reinventing keyword research, simplifying campaign optimization, redefining competitive analysis, SpyFu brings you an entirely new way to find the most profitable keywords for your SEO and PPC campaigns. New tools, new data, and a brand new look. We've streamlined SpyFu so that you can optimize your search engine marketing more efficiently, more accurately, and more intuitively. Visit SpyFu.com, that's S-P-Y-F-U.com, and start downloading your competitors' keywords now. Try it free. 
Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investment. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on CranberryRadio.net. Welcome back to CEO Coach. I'm Jillian Music with my partner Ann Kennedy. And today we're talking about the different ways you can look at whether you should go after the money, sell stuff early, and start getting some revenue in the house, or whether you should go out after large groups of people to be engaged with your brand right away. In other words, building your community of potential buyers early on. So growth could be building a lot of buyers. Growth could also be, and it would be wonderful, a lot of buyers who are actually buying something. So in your own business, the question is, how do you look at that? How do you decide which way to go? Some of it has to do with who you're trying to impress, if you will. If you're going after venture capitalists, Mark has a very good point, and he says, you know, don't spend so much time worrying about whether or not this profit today, a VC worth a salt or her salt is going to figure out quickly, I have this many people in a particular place returning regularly, engaging with each other and the brand. Trust me, we know what to sell them. We will monetize the audience. On the flip side, if you're running tight on capital and you don't expect necessarily to be able to raise capital, well, then it's your call, right, Anne? Then you say, put some money in the bank, quick. Well, what you, what you said in our very opening of this episode, you said it all comes down to money. And that is actually one of the points that Mark makes in this post that he did on focusing on profitability or not, that... If you are profitable, that makes you look very, it gives you leverage. It makes you look very attractive. It gets you more exit opportunities. There are all kinds of good reasons, not to mention being more sustainable in difficult times. I mean, we did go through a great recession and now eight years ago, which was a tough for a lot of startups. However, if you've got the money and you have an idea, uh, this is Mark Schuster again saying, if you have an idea that has the capacity to become immensely scalable, you know, a really big internet play, for example, and you have the capital, you have easy access to capitals who are committed to working with you, then it's time to develop and get out to market first and not wait to build profits and take your profits back into building this this Megatron thing that you're going to build. So it kind of depends where you are and what your resources are or totally it comes agree. down to money, like we said. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Totally agree. Remember, there's a real difference between being revenue positive and being profitable. Revenue positive means we have some revenue coming into the house. Look at that. It's not zero anymore. On the flip side, being Profitable means you've actually brought in enough revenue that you covered all of your costs and, uh, you know, employees and everything, right? And you've got some left over. 
Now you can plow that in and grow. So the question you should be asking is, if I launch the product and then I start looking for an audience, um, will I be able to sell enough to sustain myself so that I don't need to go out for venture capital money? If not, then launching it and selling a little bit of it, that's great, is good, but I would spend more time making sure that your brand is out in whatever industrial vertical you have to be in. Get out to conferences and blog and you know author uh, white papers and articles wherever you can in public places, targeted at your audience, that kind of thing. Right? You'd work with a good PR person or you make yourself present at uh, major industry conferences, but you want to be there not with your competitors but with your potential customers. And then we've done an entire show on that concept too about where to get out to conferences. So. Again, look at whether or not you can sustain yourself with the money coming in. And if not, you're going to have to spend some significant amount of time making sure you're broadcasting to an audience that you can point to when you get to the VCs to say, look, there's a really large audience out there that wants us. What you're giving us money for is that marketing and expansion. We do have a solid product. Well, it's interesting you should bring that up because another thing that Mark Schuster goes into in how to make sure you're, how to decrease the odds that your startup will fail. Yeah. It's just like, whoa, that comes like a double negative, right? Yeah. (laughs) Or maybe triple. But anyway, you know, but he talks a lot about revenue. And I think that I love to read his stuff because I I sense he gets some of the same frustrations that I do. And I know you do. And this one was frustration with journalists who are saying, but that company's not even profitable yet, or they don't even have revenues. And yet they're being bought for some Mm -hmm. extraordinary purpose, or they're getting a price, or they're getting a huge, huge amount of dollar inflows. But that doesn't happen to everybody. Not everybody is Facebook or WhatsApp. So what he is he's saying is that there's simple basic planning that you have to go into about your market. And he says if you're not spending any time thinking about what your market could be, you're simply lazy and unprepared. You know, you need to do your homework, you need to do your research, and then you need to ask the big question which goes back to what you were just saying, Jillian, what investment would it take to acquire and retain that market? Because none of it's for free. Absolutely. So in this particular article you just referenced, and we'll put a link to that on our Facebook page, by the way. Of course we will. Facebook.com slash CEO coach podcast. Again, facebook.com slash forward slash CEO coach podcast. You know, get in there, hit the like button so we know you are around and uh, tell us what you want to hear about, but also check out these links. So one of the things I'm seeing in this particular article from uh, Mark that's called decrease the odds of that your startup will fail, right? So it's okay to target a small market and you can probably build a niche business that's extremely valuable to you but it's not likely to be VC backable. So that kind of translates to his next article that says go build a larger audience so that the VCs really see this is a monster idea. It is not addressing a niche market. It's not lifestyle. And enough so that they will actually fund your ability to build that. Yes, that's right. Now he goes on to say if your goal is to build a scalable startup, 
and you need to focus on where large amounts of money are being spent or large amounts of money will be spent. So for Mark, he likes to use this example of a company that he backed called Make Space because it was such an easy and obvious market to understand. Make Space provides physical storage. They pick up your stuff, they drop it off at your house when you want it back. A right? hoarder's delight. Stuff, <laughs> and you got this beautiful app and so on. So it, it's physical stuff and he could understand it. What he's saying is that the U.S. market is worth more than $25 billion, and Europe is the same, Asia is smaller, but growing as wealth increases in large urban environments. If that's the case, you don't need to build that audience. You simply need to prove that it exists and it's growing. And figure out how to serve it well. That's correct. Then you spend more time refining your product and testing it with a small test market. So another thing about markets is market structure. And there's a really good example that rang true to me because you and I are working on a travel services company for people with disabilities. If you're dealing with hotels, that's a very fragmented market. If you're dealing with airlines, it's very consolidated you know, run by yeah, uh, a few big players. It's harder true. to on, reach. Right. On the flip side, with the online travel agents, the OTAs, online travel agents, right, that's already an organized market, right? So the hotels may be fragmented with many, many major brands that are international and just thousands of smaller ones and then B&Bs and even the Airbnbs, which are individual residences now, but... Airbnb, Expedia, TripAdvisor, Travelocity, and so those are already strong major players in the OTA, the online travel agent. Right. right. So how we buy it is organized. The item itself is disorganized. And then you find yourself a niche market. You say travelers with accessibility requirements, right, who have mobility challenges of any kind. Could be aging, could be with physical disabilities. So you take that niche market And you say, okay, how big is that niche market? We determined it was going to be a quarter of the population of the planet. And then you have to divvy it down and say, all right, how many people of those are able to travel either financially or physically? Some will not leave their residences. How far will they go? How much can you make per annum? And so on. When you have determined that it is not only a significant sized market about to grow, then you kind of go back to number one again. You say, what's the market structure here? Do we have a space in it? And the answer is, even though the major players exist, there is space for another major player to address a quarter of the population of the planet. That's how you figure it out. And that was figured out by doing a lot of homework. Oh, my heavens, yes. A lot of planning, a lot of market research, a lot of planning, a lot of homework. And that is the point is that you just don't make these decisions out of thin air. We need to go to a break. Speaking of air, and let our sponsors have some airtime. This is CEO Coach, and we'll be right back. More on how to get your business on the web with CEO Coach after this. Is buying something that is made in the USA important to you? How do you know that it really is made in the USA? Certified Inc. is the only supply chain audit company on the planet which qualifies country of origin labeling. If it's important to you as a consumer to know where the products you buy and use in your own home come from, then it's also important for your customers. Visit us at madeinusa.net and find out more. Go to madeinusa.net because it's that important. 
Conversion Conference, the can't-miss CRO event of 2016. Join over 750 people from dozens of countries gathering in Las Vegas, May 18th and 19th, for the biggest industry-wide conversion event ever. Four parallel tracks of top content will allow you to personalize the exact topics that you want to focus on. Interact with expert speakers at informal networking events and birds of a feather lunch table topics. Meet dozens of leading CRO companies face-to-face in the expo hall. Get hands-on with pre-conference workshops and master classes. Join us for fun activities such as zip lining and Tim Ash's after party in the presidential suite. Oh yeah, did we mention that it's in Vegas, baby? May 18th and 19th, Conversion Conference last year sold out fast and it's expected to sell out again. So don't miss it. Go to conversionconference.com for details right now. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. We're back with Jillian Music and Ann Kennedy on CEO Coach, only on CranberryRadio.net. Welcome back to CEO Coach. I'm with my partner here, Ann Kennedy. I'm Jillian Music, and we're talking about whether you should shoot for growth or shoot for revenue. There's no clear answer. Depends on what you're building. Depends on who you have to impress next. Are you going out for VC capital or are you going out for your target market and you don't need any further money? Is your product with such a a huge gross margin and in such perfect condition that you can simply start selling and grow over time? Then you have different requirements. So I'd say that maybe our hottest tips and our look to the money. Make sure you know where it's coming from. You don't necessarily have to bring in the capital being revenue positive. You have revenue coming in. You don't have to do that, but you better be darn sure you have easy access to large sums of money to scale your own company when it comes to that time. I think too many early stage startups fail to consider where the next money is coming from. They just assume we will go out and pitch and raise capital. But there are dips and troughs in your capital markets. And so if you're trying to raise capital during tough times, in other words, very few investments being made, you're going to be in deep trouble. In that case, look to the revenue. What's your tip number two, Anne? Tip number two is do your homework, which kind of relates to tip number one. But there's a little bit more that I would like to say about that, which is that, you know, there's this wonderful thing about 2020 hindsight. It never works for ourselves, but when you look at other companies and you see especially failures, you you be able to really understand where they went wrong or where they succeeded. And it's very important if you've got something you think is cool, and golly, we know a lot of particularly tech engineers who have something that is cool, you're able to validate it before you pour time, money, and effort into it. So do your homework. Yes, totally agree. Do your homework. You've got to find out what the size of your market is. You've got to find out whether it's an organized market or a disorganized market. 
figure out where you're going to fit into the provider's market and figure out where your people, your buyers, are going to fit in the consumer market for your product. Once you've done that kind of homework and you can speak to the numbers with authority, you will decide yourself. You essentially pitch yourself and you'll decide whether or not you've got to go out and build more of that market and desire or whether you can go after revenue early on. And then number three, whether you are going to go for taking profits out of the company or whether you're going to reinvest those profits, you need to plan down to the most minute detail what your costs are and model out what you can reasonably expect in revenues because you need both in order to determine whether you're even going to have profits and you need to test yeah. track that all along. You know, you just set up your KPIs and pay attention. This all comes to me, falls under the duh category, but how many companies do we see that actually don't pay any attention to any of that? Yeah, an awful lot. And that kind of goes back to one of our real hallmarks on this show. We keep talking about, you know, of wizards and executors. It talks to the lack of executors, people who are executing on the idea of wizards or technologists. So making sure that you're working with a really good executor, someone who executes on this kind of stuff, is critical. You can see that while it's a duh moment, yes, of course you need to know these things. And of course you better look after the revenue. You better have somebody who can dig into those numbers, understand the size of the market you've got, what it's really going to cost you to acquire each one of those customers, and whether that number is going to change as you scale. Right. And if you can get the first 10 or 15 customers by making a phone call, well, that didn't cost you very much. But that's not scalable. So you better figure out how much it's going to cost you to get your 100,000th customer and how you're going to compete in much larger markets. What are those things going to do to your revenue streams? What can you sell? Where does the market you know, price your product and its value? What happens if somebody comes up with a competitive one? There's so much research to be done and there's so much a calculation to be done. You need a really good executor to get in and get you those answers. Right. And and the corollary to that is that if you are the inventor, the founder, the genius behind whatever is going to happen, you should be spending your time on the future of that product, not all of this. So that's why that's you need an executor. True, by the way, yes, I, I couldn't agree more. It, it's not that you cannot do it if you are the inventor of the product. It's that you must not do it. You will spend far too much time trying to do it or you'll do a really bad job of both of them. You don't physically have enough hours in the day to get this kind of research and decision-making information gathered and presented in ways so that you can make a decision quickly enough while you still make your product. If you're trying to do both, you're probably going to crash and burn. Gee, I'd like to leave this show on a more positive note than crashing and burning. (laughs) And we do right. have to here's, stop here's now. A positive one. Okay. Yeah. Boy, here's a it's- positive one. Tending to income is an important issue. But if you focus on building something extraordinary and filling a need that is really a big pain point, it will be easier to attract your potential market to your site. Don't focus so hard on trying to sell all of them something immediately. Just make sure that the world is excited about what you're about to build and that you have really good numbers around how big it's going to be before you hit the VC tables. You will do a whole lot better and you're likely to get funded. 
Well said, partner. And that's it for this Monday at CEO Coach. I'd just like to mention you can follow Mark Schuster at M-S-U-S-T-E-R. And that's a shout out. So maybe he'll come on our show one day. (laughs) We'd like to thank our producers at webmasterradio.fm for their support. You can download these shows through webmasterradio.fm, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and many other places around the web. You can find links and more on facebook.com forward slash CEO coach podcast. Do stop by and hit the like button so we will know you were there and let us know what you'd like to hear about on CEO coach. Thanks for joining us. This is Ann Kennedy with Jillian music till next week. The opinions expressed are those of the guests and hosts and do not reflect those of staff or management. Any rebroadcast or retransmission without consent is prohibited. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward with each new idea, innovation, and partnership. We're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.